You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you by Built Bar. It's what I'm going to have for breakfast today, Built Bar. Uh, quick shout out if you ever enjoyed my work at Scout or 24-7 throughout the years. The editor from that site, my friend Jeff Krager, he turned 40 as I, on the day I'm recording this. So uh, I know he listens to them from time to time, but if you enjoyed my work over there, then you enjoyed his editing. So I did want to take the time and wish him a happy 40th. I know I talked about doing the mock. Um, I don't want to say I had nightmares about the mock last night, but my mind was in such flux over the mock that I was thinking about picks and draft order and writing up, uh, writing it up in my sleep. That's where I am as I was discussing, uh, very distinctly remember talking about Kumar Rocker and then trying to remember who had the first overall uh, pick. That is what I was going through. And I've been hitting the tape hard. I've been going into things, diving into things. Long and short of it is I'm still not quite there yet. Um, I did look at some lists. Uh, if you saw my way too early mock draft uh, back in... Uh, August, right? No, September maybe. Uh, I had Khalil Watson to the Indians. I saw a mock this week that had him going in the top 10. So it looks like my scouting report there was uh, was a bit ahead of the curve. But yeah, it's uh, I just haven't had the time. Uh, I did dived in a little later this year and I'm still getting into stuff, so I'm not ready. So no mock this week. I'm sorry if you're looking forward to that. I might try starting it on Friday. We will see where we are in terms of data at that point in time. Because if I start on Monday... Essentially, what I can do is, or on Friday, I should say, I can start Friday, continue on through Monday, and then next Wednesday, we'll set up with the Indian selection and me talking about that for the podcast uh, video one. So whenever I make that one, I do have to intentionally think about a Indian's focus. Uh, Didn't get too much feedback one way or another on the last few episodes. So as always, hit me up on Twitter, questions, things I can dive into, things you want me to talk about. That is always helpful. I did want to... Let's start the show talking about the Terry Pluto article from Sunday. Um, A lot in there. Uh, The thought is that he's hearing the Indians can add five to maybe 10 million in salary. Uh, They're interested in being back Cesar Hernandez. And it's very clear more and more that the Indians are probably going to add a middle infielder um, of some form. Uh, I was talking with the Lockdown Pirates guy because before recording this, they traded James Tyon, and we were talking about like how they're just selling everything down to the studs. And you know, he was talking about why they hadn't moved Adam Frazier yet. And the problem is, you know, the piece alone here by Pluto, you got Shoop, Wong, and Hernandez, and none of these guys are getting money. Uh, why trade an asset for someone like Frazier when you might actually be able to sign someone who makes less? Now, I'm not entirely sure how much money uh, Adam Frazier makes. I can look that up as I'm recording, but the Indians want to sign one of these guys for $4 million, and I feel like right now the Indians are basically sitting there waiting, looking at these three infielders and waiting for the chairs to drop away. Uh, Frazier would make 4.3, so that's actually higher than what the Indians want to pay. And Frazier's calling card is defense. Uh, he's clearly the worst offensively of that group of guys, and while his defense has been quite strong, um, last year, by Fangraph's metric, the other guys were higher. But I mean, by the baseball savant stuff, which I would much rather use and think is better for defense, he was higher. Uh, it just doesn't change the fact that why well, trade something if you can just sit there and wait and get one of these other guys for four million, not give up an asset, and actually be cheaper than what Frazier has. So yeah, they're probably going to wait around, sign one of these guys. 
and then use that as an excuse to mess with him and as a service time. I, I didn't want to believe they were going to do that at first, but it is more and more clear that is the case. Um, also uses it to run down Robbie Grossman uh, to show that there's no outfielders. The Indians would like to add one, but there's none out there. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous to run down Robbie Grossman to say that $5 million a year is too much for a guy who's been a league average bat in most of his years in the majors. Uh, talks about Michael Brantley's cost in there as well. Advocate, you know, brings up Abraham Almonte to again say, "Hey, there's no out." I mean, he is he is carrying a lot of water for the Indians. Uh, that's this entire piece. Uh, talks about his interest in Kevin Pillar. He was voted the Willie McCovey Award for leadership. It's like, uh, okay, that's that's fine, but like he fell off a cliff a bit last year. If you were not paying attention, um, but yeah, it's a lot of carrying water for the Indians and a lot of like, who are the smart cheap guys and then using outdated stats it's it's not a great look um i'll be honest and that's kind of where like i hate to do that and if you're a fan of terry's that's fine i mean i was a huge fan of his for years and years i i owed a lot to him i remember when i was back in new york city and he like quoted me in multiple pieces uh i mean that was huge i mean that for me at the time as a writer that was a huge confidence thing i i owe a lot to terry pluto and I think I've also told the story where I sent an email and got a nasty response. And then three months later, saw him like using writing about what I asked him about, um, where the response again, hadn't been nice. And, but it was on the same player. So I don't want to go into too many details. Uh, if you are a public figure like him, I imagine the crappy things people say to me are magnified times a million. So I'm not going to blame someone for being not nice in an email response, but it doesn't change the fact that when I look at right now, what's at the beacon, and these are guys who've been doing it for a while. They have their connections. They know people. And, you know, Terry has a very easy to read, very digestible. He's a great writer. I don't want anyone to think anything other than that. I think he's a great writer. But the problem is that they're using just out-of-date information, that whole side of things when you're talking about, I mean, I appreciate him throwing in OPS as, as kind of a side note, but, like, even something like OPS, which I talk about often on here, isn't even that great of a stat anymore. We know that. And... It would just be nice to see, um, eventually, you know, these guys are kind of moving towards the end of their writing time, some people with forward thinking there. It's not me. I'm not advocating for myself. I am uh, not in Cleveland anymore and well beyond that. But like Hayden who uh, Grove, who I think does a lot of WTAM right now, but I mean, I got to know Hayden when we were all working together uh, at Indians Baseball Insider. I, it, talk about a time where you had kind of a group of minds. Don't count me. I mean, Tony was a, was a pretty big name at the time. Uh, Jim Pete and Mike Hattery were there before they kind of went and did their own thing with Everybody Hates Cleveland. Uh, Hayden was there. Uh, Jake uh, Dungan was there. We, we had a, a fun little group. Like, I remember meeting up uh, to get food and just discuss the future of things. Uh, and then, I mean, when Scout bought us, brought us in, that was huge. And Scout then gave me that national gig, and that was huge. And I have always said the my best two years of writing were that time when I had that national gig at Scout. Because it, you know, wasn't enough to live on, but it, it paid well, and like they had people that actually like promoted me, and I got to be—I mean, I was doing fifteen, twenty radio shows a day when it was draft day. It was a different time, different world. It was fun times. It was an interesting experience. And uh, but Hayden was always a good guy there, very smart, knows his stuff. He would be one of those guys that I think could do well in a, a role. And I know he did have a time where he was working there. But yeah, I think just in general, you know, like looking at that article it's again terry is a great writer but you read it and you look and you think 
<laughs> this is where this team is. Like it's, I mean, part of my like baseball nightmares last night on top of my concerns about trying to get the draft together in my mind was just like where this team is. Um, that they had this fantastic run. I mean, the front office is doing what they can, but the fact that they have the lowest, well, now that the Pirates have traded uh, tie on, maybe they have the second lowest payroll in baseball and they're only going to be able to add five to 10 that they're not. And then I don't know if people saw, but you know, I talked about Anthony Santander earlier in the week that, I mean, they just were laying off people left and right and saying it's because of money and they're cutting like their pregame showdown because they don't want to pay people to do it. And they brought in cheaper coaches and they asked Anthony Santander and Trey Mancini, that's right, Trey Mancini, who's missed last year because of cancer, recover, uh, cancer recovering from it, to defer part of their salaries. Now, Santander makes, I think he's going to make a little over $2 million, and Mancini's a little under five. And no one could ever recall this happening before, but because $2 billion, that's how much uh, Peter Angelos is worth. And you think about the spending habits of the O's at various points in time. Uh, I guess is having some money woes compared to the team what they lost a year ago. They asked a pair of players in arbitration to defer some of their money for a year. Now, both said no, because of course, why should they defer money unless you were going to pay them to defer money? Uh, But I thought that was crazy. But it also does. I mean, everything I've said about Anthony Santander last week, uh, that is even more so in play. If they're asking these guys to defer money because they don't want to pay them, uh, yeah, you should be calling about Santander. The Marlins have shown some interest, but I still think the Indians, if you put Santander in right, you do Mercado and, you know, Daniel Johnson can be some form of platoon, center field, whatever, uh, with Luplo. And all of a sudden that outfield looks a lot different in how you have set up. You can have Fran Mill at your DH, uh, Naylor at first base. It's it's a lot different looking of a squad, and I, it's not going to be a ton of assets. I just I don't think it's going to be the highest cost, and you're getting a guy for multiple years of control when you don't have outfield depth and system. So it, you know you can go back to last week, listen to this podcast when I talked about Santander, but all of it holds even more true now when you look at the cost uh, that the Orioles are trying to get him to defer. On, I think he's going to make 2.4 million. They're trying to get him to defer like over a million uh, because of their owner. Uh, Peter Angelos is old. Uh, they don't want to sell the team yet because then it's going to be capital gains when he dies. Uh, but the thought is that Jeff Angelos does eventually want to sell the Orioles, which means, uh, you know, there's some thought of just trying to get money and books in order and everything prepared. Uh, it was part of the larger piece I read. It's interesting to look at. But if they're that desperate to save money, yeah, the Indians should absolutely be in on Santander. If they want to keep this window open, you need to be creative. You need to go out and add players to help, and you need to use all of this. I mean, they have they don't have a lot of blue chip guys. They don't have a ton of guys who are going to be top 100 overall baseball prospects. But they have a lot of interesting guys deep in the system, and they should be parlaying some of that into players who can help now because why waste Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez? Uh, Nolan Jones is near ready. He could be something special. Let's go out, make a move, make the Indians better, please. We are sponsored by Built Bar. Uh, it is what I have been eating for the last few months. It is a go-to staple in my diet, uh, either through me buying or through them sending us uh, free samples. They, I think I mentioned they sent another box, and the excitement in the chat was palatable. And we all love this product because it is a great product, and the best deal you'll find is using that promo code locked on when I order and do new orders from Built Bar, I use Locked On because the 20% you get there is the best I have found. I spent time digging around. I'm that person on like all of the coupon sites. Retail Me Not used to be great, not so much anymore, but you know, I go and I dig to find coupon codes uh, to save a few bucks here and there. And the best 
there always is, is when you go and use that lockdown code. And you want to use that code, you want to go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code lockdown because it's just, it's a great product. It tastes great. Uh, it gives you energy. It fills you up. BuiltBar.com, promo code lockdown. Bet online. Uh, everyone in the chat yesterday was talking about how they had done their parlays with the big UFC fight. Now I've talked about I'm not the biggest gambling guy, nor am I the biggest UFC guy, so I don't know a whole lot about that. But if you are someone who is into gambling, likes to do, if any of that caught your fancy there, go to Bet Online today, our official sponsor, and you use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. They are going to be covered in any sport you can imagine all season long, parlays, uh, you know, odds, all these things. Uh, I've seen the MLB account tweet out infographics with, you know, the odds for who's going to win what division. Uh, so if this is all your cup of tea, go to betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on 50% welcome bonus. That's a huge bonus. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on for your sign-up bonus. Hashtag bet online. And we have a new podcast coming. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So let's talk more about this Indians team. There's not been a whole lot going on, let's be honest. And, you know, I, I don't want it to seem like it's probably going to seem like I'm running down Terry uh, a bit. And again, I, I feel like what he meant to me in the early going was huge. I think he's a great writer. Um, it is hard as a writer, an Indians writer right now, because nothing is happening, right? You had a Rule 5 selection, which I liked. You had the trade, which I didn't like, let's be honest. And... What else has there been? There's been some arbitration signings, things like that. Very minor things, not stuff that's going to keep you going. I did think it's interesting just when you look at the Indians. The Red Sox signed Garrett Richards for $10 million. The Yankees signed Cooper for 11 who hadn't pitched for in two years. Uh, the Yankees, we talked about, just acquired James Tayon, who had pitched 37 innings in 2019 and didn't pitch at all last year. Um, and he's going to make, in my mind, I can't remember what he's going to make, so I'm just not going to guess at it. But I think it's kind of crazy when you go back and look at all of that and think about the fact that Carlos Carrasco, who over the last, you know, last year I was looking at FIP. He was amongst the top 25 pitchers in FIP at least when I was looking at which is fielding independent uh, pitching ERA, which is the best indicator we have found for future success. Uh, players with FIP, it tends to stick year to year. So the fact is he should be really good next year. That his $13 million was still like a net almost negative asset. I feel like the Indians could have. We've seen, you know, if the Yankees are giving Kluber 11 and the Red Sox are giving 10 to Richards, you can't tell me that Carrasco, who has no... Yes, the cancer is there. And yes, he's never been an inning, like a <clears throat> huge innings guy. But I can't think that, you you know, he's great in the clubhouse. Everyone loves him. $13 million is a steal for what he does, that there wasn't some value in him. So I'm kind of going to walk back what I said earlier, that maybe he was a negative asset in that trade. But it makes it even crazier to me that that's all they got for including a, a pitcher of that level when the pitching market's been hot. Like the one market outside of Bauer, and Bauer has, we're not going to bother to talk about it on the show, Bauer has his own issues. Let's be honest there. He's, he, you know, the Indians couldn't move on from him quick enough when they knew it was time to sell. Like he was one of those guys, they were just done with the headaches. 
and other teams, you don't want to give someone thirty million a year, which is what he wants, to and then have to deal with headaches. Like that's just the truth of it. And I'm gonna on top of that, you know, you can look at the the data, which shows that like, yeah, he was fantastic last year with a heavy implication of Doctor Baseballs, and that he hasn't been he hasn't had the sustained success. And we'll just leave it there. Uh, so outside of Bauer, who has a really high demand and has those headaches, the pitching market's been very robust. Uh, we're seeing trades, we're seeing um, players signing, even ones who are on down years or got hurt. Uh, so I think they had to have gotten something, but that just makes that trade even, I, I you know, it's, I know it's crazy to say this because it, it, you know, it, it's a significant upgrade in prospects, but it's like, if they had just gotten PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong instead of Isaiah Green, like I would be a lot happier on that deal. Now, PCA was one of the top 20 players in that class for me, whereas uh, Green didn't make my top 50. And going through and working on such things. I mean, that's what I do. It's by primarily writing anymore is more on the draft than prospects. So I just didn't love it, you know, and it felt low. And then when I look at what pitchers are going for, it still feels low. I mean, the twins desperate for pitching signed Hap, J.A. Hap, uh, for $8 million. The Angels signed Jose Quintana for $8 million. Uh, if you were curious what Hap and Quintana did over the past few years, Hap, la- or Hap, uh, this is Quintana, pitched uh, 10 innings last year. And the year before that, he if you're like, well, that was a shortened season. In 2019, he was worth 1.4 war. Like, he was a 4.5 at best. And he got $8 million. And J.A. Happ was someone the Yankees. Like, he actually was not bad uh, in 2020. But if you go back to the shortened thing, you know, it's it's an odd collection of data. Uh, a hit rate that is much lower than his career hit rate, which is a concern in terms of uh, just is he going to be able to keep that up? And you go back to the fact that, you know, thirty he's going to be 38 this year and he got $8 million. Um, Like, to me, the age of 38 is more of a concern than Carrasco uh, and his cancer recovery. So it's, it's all just very odd to follow. Um, you know, when you look at things, even if you don't want to count what Lindor was going to cost at like 19 million, even if you look at him like closer to what he cost last year of 12 and Crasco being closer to 13, I mean, that's still about 25 million off the books in that deal. And that's only opening five to 10 million. Uh, and this is a team that already had its payroll down. They already had Brad hand off the books. They already had declined other options and moved on from other talent and, you know, trade away someone like Clevenger, who's going to get expensive uh, in the season, they had already in season brought down their payroll and they take 25 million off the books and they have five to 10 million to invest. And I know everyone is hurting, but these are billionaires. Um, you gotta be kidding me. Like the Dolans in the whole situation, I was the most ardent def- defender. You can go through and find those on Twitter. I mean, I wrote a whole article that was ran on. So like, w- remember when the Dolans had their own TV network for that year? Uh, and then the underrated aspect is it got sold to Fox Sports. And yes, the Indians have a low amount of money compared to other teams in their yearly, how much they got. But the Dolans also got like a $40 million uh, fee plus the yearly thing. Like they got bought out a significant chunk of change that never gets counted or reported in that deal. So it's like they just, here's a bonus that they made by owning a team and operating a station for a year. I can't remember exactly what it was. But that station had a website, and they had a deal with us to some degree. I don't know what it was exactly uh, at Indians Baseball Insider. I just know some of my articles occasionally showed up there. Hey, you know, I was never asked, told, or anything. They just appeared. Whatever. Uh, it was 
kind of cool at the time just because I was a random blogger and it was me appearing on a site owned by the Indians, so I didn't complain. But, you know, I wrote a whole article about, you know, we need to talk about your lack of attendance and just defending uh, the Dolans to the hilt. And, you know, I was very much even through like when they signed Edwin Encarnacion in the past few years, but it's really been in the past year where I've just seen the Indians making survival trades and slashing payroll. And I know so much of this, it all comes down to Sherman. Like the worst thing that happened to the Indians uh, was John Sherman buying the Royals. And them trying to find a new minority partner is going to be hard. Like a lot of teams have looked for minority owners, um, you know, the Mets for a while. But I think part of the reason no one wanted to buy into the Mets is because the Wilpons were just not very bright. You know, they got caught in the Madoff scheme and they had all sorts of other issues. And they were just, I mean, the Wilpons were known as like one of the worst owners in baseball, which made it hard for them to find a minority owner. And the Indians are in a situation where supposedly you know, eventually Sherman would have had the ability to buy the Indians. And you look at everything that's happened. You look at what happened with John Sherman with the Royals this past year, where he like paid all the minor leaguers and didn't fire any staff. And post-draft, they had the best undrafted free agency pool. They signed multiple guys who were in BA's top 200 prospects, even though it was a very low amount of money they could offer because of what they had offered and what they had shown and the importance and care and allowed the Royals to even more add to that uh, core of talent they have coming up. And you look at just, he looks like someone who is a, he looked like a great human and not afraid to spend and not afraid to take care of his team and didn't fire anyone when he went into Kansas City, kept the front office in place, which one can make a case. Maybe that wasn't his best move, but he respected the structure that was in place and didn't come in and feel the need to make waves. And it's hard to not look at that and think, oh, he would have been perfect, right? Like this is, everything I said there is why, and I believe he grew up in Kansas City. I believe he's from the area. That was his team. I understand why he wanted to go there and given the opportunity to own his favorite team. But man, uh, he you want to find the, I talk about an ideal owner. They had it in Cleveland and he got away. And then since he left, uh, I mean, the Royals, that's done more damage to the Indians than anything else because the minute he left, that's when we've seen the payroll start getting cut. That's when we've seen everything else. And it's... It's a hard situation, and now we have this offseason that has been nothing but uh, cutting and, uh, (laughs) you know, the names you know, the people, your favorite players, uh, all the heart and soul of this team over the last decade has been slowly but surely cut away from it. And I I do look through it through a bit of the the rose-colored nostalgia glasses because there's, I mean, the World Series team, is Jose Ramirez it? Is he the last one left? He might be the last guy standing from that team um I mean so many players have moved on and and gone and I mean Jose Ramirez I know is the longest tenured Indian like how crazy is that Jose Ramirez is the longest tenured player on this team right now uh it's everyone's gone it's been and I know you know that's kind of what happens when you're a small market team but there were always a few guys that they got to sign contracts and they kept around which is what happened that's why Jose Ramirez is still in town Let's be honest, if he hadn't signed that extremely team-friendly deal before he broke out, he would have been traded long ago as well. But they've not been able to lock those guys up. We haven't seen those team-friendly deals. They have not bought out arbitration years for many guys. Um, you know, there was a time where that had turned bad on them, that you know, certain players, it just had not... I think about guys like Westbrook and Sizemore who got hurt not long after their extensions, even Michael Brantley, where one could argue that like that extension... I didn't think it made sense at the time because he'd been closer to a league average bat and then he had a huge breakout, but then he also missed 
significant amount of time under that contract due to his injury. And then essentially it was maybe like the first, I feel like it was a four-year extension, and they only had him, I feel like, for year one and four of that at full strength. And then they chose not to offer him arbitration, so they didn't even get a pickback in the end. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer is um, outside of, I the one thing I know is this. I, I don't blame the front office at all. Uh, you have to respect the heck out of what the front office manages to do with very little resources. And I think they do a fantastic job. I just don't know how there is any way to be sustainable uh, as a team right now and how this team has any future. You know, I, I've seen people talk about how they're going to support the Cavs because they have a young, interesting core and they're doing interesting things instead of the Indians, that their money is going to go, or that now they're shifting back to the Browns because the Browns are successful in the playoffs. And there was times where I was the king of rallying against that. Like, you know, this Indians team has been so good for so long. They've been in the playoffs, what, since 2013, all but two years. We're talking uh, seven se- five out of seven seasons in the playoffs. That's a fantastic run. But does anyone actually think this is a playoff team next year? I, I don't think so. I mean, we'll see if they can add some more, find some more. But right now, I, I would not predict them in the playoffs. I mean, they are significantly weaker right now than they were. I mean, significantly weaker than they were last year. Uh, and that's not even up for debate. They're multiple wins below where they were. Uh, I can't blame anyone. I can't blame people anymore for choosing that, like, I'm not going to support the Indians. And part of it is just the problem with baseball where uh, teams, small market teams, really struggle to keep stars. Uh, but other organizations find a way. Now, sometimes that's not smart. Like the Reds and their sell-off that could be coming is because they signed Votto to a deal that they couldn't afford, and now it's a handicap. Uh, Brandon Phillips was a handicap for them as well. The Indians have always refused to do that deal in general, but they also don't have the money to even consider it. Uh, they never can really, you know, the the Edwin thing was was a unicorn season, and we haven't seen anything since or before. He is still the highest-paid player in the history of the Cleveland Indians. And that's pretty much all you have to say, right? Like, that still shocks people when I tell them that, that Edwin Encarnacion was the highest-paid Indian ever. But if you're a fan of the team, you know that such things. And it's hard, and it's annoying, and it's frustrating. And, yeah, <laughs> what a bummer, huh? Tune in, uh, Wednesday's show, the video show. Uh, we'll see if there's any news to talk about, uh, some old friend alerts or anything like that. We'll dive back into the, the greatest picks in team history. We're up to the third round. Talk the best and the worst players in the history of the third round. Uh, not quite as uh, straightforward as the second round where, you know, we had a... Albert Bell was the best. That wasn't up for debate. Dylan Howard was the worst. That isn't up for debate. Uh, I did spend about an hour after the show just digging into Dylan Howard, trying to figure out more of what went on. He's now in real estate, and I wish him well. But, yeah, it was a interesting career for him. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review. That really helps the show. Download daily. Tell a friend. Uh, again, uh, over the age of 60 people seem to enjoy it. Uh, so, you know, tell a grandparent, aunt, or uncle. Help out the show. Tigers are sitting 10th in the Lockdown ranks. Come on, Indians fans. Let's knock out Tigers. Let's go get Detroit. And at least for the next year, go Tribe.